0: I was gonna blow my brains out, but it was it was raining.
1: Welcome to Ozzy Confidential. I'm your host with the most Eugene S. Robinson. Okay, all right, so there's this guy. He, he's in a cage. He's what you know as a cage fighter. And he is kicking ass, you know, proverbial, literal, figurative, every measure of the way, kicking ass after the first round. These fights are typically broken down into three rounds. After the second round, something strange happens, something you don't expect. He looks out at the audience. He looks back to the ref, looks at his opponent. The ref says, fight. He says, open the gate. Ref says, no, 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 you're, you're, you ahead on points. What are you doing? What you, you can't. He says, open the gate or I'll climb over the fence. They open the gate. Man walks out through a teeming, screaming crowd, never to return. I asked him why. He said, I didn't come here for that. Flash forward to, to a, a Tuesday. A Tuesday in September, I'm finishing up Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and this guy walks into the academy. He's hanging around, random chatter, and it suddenly dawns on me why he's there. He's there very specifically to fight me. Now I'm rushing to work. I say, Cool, sure. Strip, gets down to his shorts, and we roll for about 10 to 12 unscripted minutes. Him, me, alone, no one else in the school, locked door, lights off. At the end of it, he turns to me and says, you know, I've got a soap company. Max Moore, a guy who knows a little something about life. and maybe a lot more than most of us about
0: death. I actually really enjoyed being in combat. Yeah, you heard that right. A combat
1: medic who actually enjoyed combat. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, look, I, I'll just let him tell it.
0: You know, the Marine Corps are our stormtroopers, right? And they go in and they kick in the doors of the worst places that we can come up with. Well, when they get shot or blown up, the corpsman is the guy who goes in and picks him up. And that was my that was my job. The day I took my licensing exam uh, to be a medic was September 11th uh, when the when the towers fell.
1: This Justin, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center. And we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center.
0: As, as, as a corpsman, you'll, you'll usually do three tours in the field. And then you'll do one tour back in a hospital. They mm-hmm. want you to keep your medical skills uh relevant and fresh. You know? Right. And uh and so I got assigned to the ICU in Germany at a Launchstuhl Hospital. Mm-hmm. It's this um it's the biggest American hospital outside of the United States. It's a massive facility and it's where, uh, when guys get shot and blown up, they get, they get stabilized in the field and then they take a flight to Germany where they are reevaluated and made sure they're stable enough they can make the big trip back to Texas, uh, or, or elsewhere in the U.S. I was working there after having been in, you know, multiple combat deployments and I got assigned to working with guys who were, you know, double, triple, sometimes amputees, blind, uh, some guys that you know had lost their sex organs from explosions, and um, and that was that was actually the most nightmarish part for me mm-hmm. was knowing as I was in that space that my next assignment was going to be Afghanistan, and so I was dealing with you know guys who were you know walking around on burnt up drumsticks for legs, you know, mm-hmm. and like and seeing these guys who were smarter and stronger and more put together than I was. Mm. And now they are a very different person after that incident. My PTSD was was mostly actually from that. And I would I would have these 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 nightmares that I would be, you know, next in the bed. I would keep my shit together as I was dealing with these patients cuz I didn't want to crumble in front of them. I worked night shifts. I'd get off in the mornings and I would get these um these moments as I'm brushing my teeth and looking at my own face in the mirror where I would see it as if it was real, that like my arm wasn't there or my leg wasn't there. In those moments, all I could think about was that I knew my next assignment was going to be Afghanistan. Right. And, uh, and I didn't know that I was going to make it back in one piece. I had a patient uh, that really crumbled me. The next, the next bit is hard. So if
1: you're prone to have a hard time with hard, keep listening. Because in the end, you're just listening. Max
0: lived it. I had a patient uh, that really crumbled me. He was an explosive ordnance disposal guy. And he was actually an um, Australian fellow. And he was working on a piece of ordnance, and it blew up and blew both of his hands off at the elbows. And uh, it also blew out his eyeballs. And And... The strange thing was that outside of that, he was virtually unscathed. I mean, like you, I mean, a little bit of bruising and peppering on, his, on, some, on the skin, but like nothing else. Mm-hmm. The morphine that we were giving him would cause him to have like an amnesic effect um, through his sleep. And then he would wake up and he would forget that he had lost his arms and he had lost his eyes every day. Mm-hmm. And he would wake up like trying to claw what he thought was something covering his eyes. But of course, he can't reach his face because he has no arms. And then having to explain to this man every fucking morning, hey, it's Max, I'm still your corpsman. You've been here for a little while. Um, you know, you're safe and your arms and your eyes are gone. Every morning he would have, he would just have this crushing defeat. And I'd get him up and I'd, you know, walk him around in the room to get him to get him mobile. And he would be joking. He'd be joking and, 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 and he'd be talking, you know, uh, he'd be, he'd be asking me if my dick is still okay, cause that's all it that really matters. And I'd, I'd tell him it was and we would have, and we would laugh about it and it would be funny. And, uh, and I put him back in, into the bed. And at the end of my shift, I would be crumbled thinking there's no way I'm as hard as that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'd have that sense of humor. And I, I just did not believe that I had it in me to be as strong as he was. And knowing that I was going to have to go back to Afghanistan and put myself in the position of this person who was, Stronger than me on my best day. Mm. I, I just, um, yeah, that was that was where my PTSD came from. It wasn't patrolling, you know, on a, on a mission. It wasn't seeing guys get blown up in the field. I was used to that. I had something I could do there, you right. know. Right. But for me, that that waiting time between. My hospital assignment and finally getting to get off the plane in Afghanistan, that was the hardest part of my life. It's the waiting that's the fucking terrible part. Yeah, you're right. It's like once you're in it, once you're in it, you're just fucking in it. You're just responding, reacting, you're flowing, you're doing what you know how to do, Mm. and you know that you're well trained to do it. Mm. It's the waiting that caused me the nightmares. And that's what really, I think, sort of fractured my my mind.
1: Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com slash ozzy, that's O-Z-Y, and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on. Pay only for what you love and return the rest. Shipping exchanges and returns, always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied toward anything you keep from your shipment. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash OZY and you'll get an extra 25% 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash Ozzy to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash I was thinking about the transition from, from Afghanistan back to L.A., how were things? <laughs> How were things right after it was, getting back?
0: Was it strange or was it? I think I was. I don't think I know. I was in, I was in denial about a lot of the mental scarring that happened to me in Germany, and I figured, well, I'll just tough it out. I'll just I'll just keep bearing it, and it'll it'll eventually subside, you know. And it really didn't. And uh, I was self medicating with booze, and uh, and that was not helping at all. It was strange, and um, it was really hard to relate. Actually, Mm. you know, it was really hard to relate because you're surrounded by a community there that's that's sort of all encompassing. Mm. Everybody, you know, is military and uh, and and all that. And then you get out and you're surrounded by, you know, um, privileged college kids who who um, who, you know, God bless them. They just they just don't know any better. Mm. And um, I had more in common with the professors than I had with the students. It was intoxicating how free you can, you know, I was mm-hmm. and how I can, I can write my own or, own orders. I can do what I want. Um, but it was also really hard not having that constant brotherhood, that constant uh, management for lack of a better way to say it. Um, and having a clear, uh, purpose and having confidence in, in, in your leadership. I, I really missed all of that mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, I still do. I still do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, It's like leaving a family behind. I'd spent so much time getting really used to my immortality that I wasn't even sure if I was even alive. I I thought, what if my perspective is all just my imagination? What if I am actually a, a comatose patient in the hospital bed and this is all just some extrapolated dream and I'm not even really here? I was totally dissociated from my own life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was, and that was how I was sort of, that was my normal. That was my walking around. You have to really accept your um, mortality in order to be effective on the battlefield, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I accepted it so much that it was more comfortable for me to be dead than it was to be alive. My father was, uh, was long distant. He was, uh, living back in Tennessee, out of, out of communication with us Mm -hmm. and, uh, suffering his own mental, uh, his own mental troubles, his own mental problems. Mm -hmm. And I got news that my mother had passed. She had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And before I could even, uh, really get my head around that, her house burnt down. Her house burnt down after she died. My family's home burnt down. I have a sister who has a drug issue, and her tweaker boyfriend committed arson on the house and uh and, and away it went. And so I came home to burying my mom and rebuilding this house. So I had three sisters looking at me to fix this. You know, in the midst of, you know, sort of burying my mom and, and seeing this burnt down house, I was I was really ready to put my 45 in my mouth and just blow my brains out. I was just exhausted. I was already, I was already exhausted. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like, um, by no, and I was exhausted from shit that I had chosen to do. And on some hand I, I like could take responsibility for that. And I could, I could manage that in my own way, but then having to take responsibility for bearing my mom, you know, being the leader to this family at, through this tragedy and then rebuilding a house that was just, that was just more than I could bear really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember I was, I was going to blow my brains out, but it was, it was raining So,
1: I'm going to let that sit with you. I want you to think about that for a second. And while you're thinking, I'm going to be chattering. I'm going to chatter specifically. I want to go back even further because how I met Max is is super compelling. I get a call from a friend in Los Angeles, Marcy. Marcy says to me, hey, hey, listen, there's this guy that I think you should meet. She gives me the rebop about the cage fighting, which is enough. She goes, yeah, yeah, and he's also a former kind of punk rock guy and skateboarding, you know, stuff that you kind of like. I go, yeah, okay, well, what's he done? She goes, also, he's a nice Jewish boy. So imagine my surprise first time I meet him when he shows up and he's African-American. It never came up. I guess it wouldn't have, but mother's Jewish. His father's African-American. And he grew up in the deep south. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I put my pistol away and um, and I didn't. And I, I said, fuck it, I'll just do it tomorrow. And um, the VA told me, look, you know, you're drinking too much. You're fighting too much. You need a, you need a hobby. And I said, well, I like to weld and I, and I know how to make soap. And they said, well, go will do those. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. And... Um, I have a uh, family in Gatlinburg as well. In Tennessee, people in the hills, country people can survive, man. Like, I, I don't think I ever saw my mother or father call out for, like, like a mechanic or a plumber mm-hmm. or an electrician or a painter, ever. They never hired out anybody. They just figured it out, you know? Right. So, um Very, very DIY people Mm -hmm. and uh, very self-sufficient people. And uh, and so among other things, um, you know, everything from moonshine to soap. Yeah, I can I can make those things. I mean, I knew how to grow weed and make soap by the time I was in, I don't know, third grade.
1: (laughs) So it was like a family activity. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a family activity. I have a Milton pour process. Cook my soap down. Pour it into molds. I mix mine with goat's milk, aloe, coconut oil, and coconut flakes, essential oils. Put it into molds. Chop it up. Wrap it up in plastic. Put stickers on it for labels, and uh, and that's it. It's surprisingly simple if you can tie your own shoes, you can make soap
1: <laughs> so okay so so at one point, so you're in l a you said we make the soap, mm-hmm. and um uh did did this initially how how much did this help initially?
0: It was everything I mean idle hands are the devil's work man if if I don't have a tool or 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 a project in my hands, I was just as likely. You know, drinking and fighting, right. you know, so like it was um, it was it was really, really good for me. It helped me get past um my, a lot of addiction stuff. It helped me get past a lot of uh, PTSD stuff, self-pity stuff like mm-hmm. having purpose is everything to me.
1: The podcast world is growing bigger every day and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya's got your back. Discover personally curated playlist and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free and it's the easiest to use. And they're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya. That's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And don't forget
0: to follow Ozzy Confidential once you're there. The military is an organization Mm. where everybody just decides to, to mentally get on the same sheet of music at the same time. They decide to all pull on the same rope with the same intensity at the same time. And what that means is that you're gonna learn a lot. And like, if you can bear it, you're gonna learn more faster than you could possibly imagine. If it doesn't kill you or drive you completely crazy, you come away from it light years ahead of your competition. If you can bear it, then what is amazing is you're gonna get really intimate with your own mortality in kind of a uh, Tibetan book of the dead kind of way. That's going to mean you're going to approach life with a kind of intensity that most people don't ever understand. The slogan for the company is don't be nasty. Mm. And I stole that. That's a direct ripoff from the Marine Corps. When, and it's not just when your body is nasty, but like if your bed isn't made or like if your rifle isn't oiled and clean, they'll say, Hey, you don't, don't be nasty. Don't be nasty, you. And my mother used to say the same thing when I wouldn't wash my ass. Like don't be nasty. But the, the, for me, Part of the, the, the meditative centering process for me in, 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 in war was I would always find just a moment every day. If, if it was only a teacup worth of water, I would dab my handkerchief in it and I would wash my ass with soap every fucking day mm. because I had this thing after being in Germany where I was like, the last thing I want is to die smelling like feet. And the last thing I want is some guy to have to pick me up and put me on a litter and onto a helicopter and onto planes. And like, I'm wearing dirty, dirty, uh, dirty underwear and I smell like balls. And so when I came home to the, to the States and I saw, you know, veterans living on the street, living nasty, it, 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 it clicked for me. Right. You know, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know how else I could make a difference, but I did know that like, I don't want people in America to have to be, <sighs> Dirtier than I was in war. Right. You know, I can't get everybody a fucking house, but like with a soap company, I can damn sure try to get everybody a shower. Mm. People think that like um, I've moved quickly with this business, or people think that I've gotten a lot done, and 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 I I always feel like I'm I'm behind because I'm all after seeing as much death and pain as I've gotten to see. Mm. Um, I feel in a rush to live a full and complete life without excuses. I feel in a rush to get as much done as I possibly can. That is the kind of intensity I was talking about that makes me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm summiting and I'm, I'm, I'm passing by my competition. Mm -hmm. Um, and it it puts me in a, it puts me in a constant, my competition really isn't even other people. It's, it's the, it's the lesser version of myself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's easy to make soap. It's hard to make a soap company. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to make a soap company, I'll just give you a little secret. I just copied terrorists, terrorists and cartels is what I did. I copied their business models. So terrorists and cartels, we have a tremendously hard time defeating them. Mm-hmm. And as an intelligence specialist, I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons is because they keep all of their operations portable, mm-hmm. scalable, and trainable, mm-hmm. Right. So if it's it's like the the craft of making cocaine, not very difficult. The craft of making explosives, not very difficult. Uh, and if you can keep it scalable and you can, it's already trainable, mm. right? Mm. Uh, if you can keep it scalable and you can keep it portable, then it becomes really hard to shut it down. Mm. So like a cartel can move a drug lab in the time it takes to pack a truck. Right. Uh, a terrorist network can move uh, a bomb-making facility in the time it takes to pack a truck, mm. you know? So, like, I wanted to apply what I learned about asymmetrical warfare as an intelligence specialist to my business. One of the little secrets I've been doing is I've been going all over the country mm-hmm. and training veterans uh, on what I'm doing. So I kept it really easy to make. I kept it really uh, easy to move the, the the factory anytime I feel like. And um, and now I'm just going around and, and empowering other veterans to make and sell this soap, mm-hmm. no profits come back to me. They just, they just have a job now, and they can sell locally. I make my money on my online site anyway, and uh, and we're currently in in talks to turn into a uh, to a nonprofit, and um, and just keep on pushing. Um, to affect positive change in veteran joblessness. Right. I'm trying to push this idea um, that like we can affect positive change. And, that's, and it just so happens I make really good soap. I really didn't expect it, Eugene. I didn't expect for there to be this groundswell of interest and this groundswell of support, but it's happening. I have all this love and support in my life mm. and I'm able to affect all this love and support for other people. And I didn't blow my brains out. And I'm so happy that it was raining that day. I was in India. Uh, this was, gosh, three months ago, I guess now. I had this, uh, this experience where I had, you know, I had this traffic accident where I thought this baby had died. Mm. And uh, it turned out to be okay. Mm. And... Um, these these gangsters that I had made friends with sort of showed up to uh, to bail me out of jail mm. and uh, paid off the, the bribes to get me out of there and then took me over to the mosque. And um, and I I knelt down and prayed and I just started um, crying mm. out of happiness and gratitude that like for all the shit that I'd seen that I've. I mean, I'm in one piece, at least physically, you know, right. and that right. like, I've never had to, I've never had to do anything that I really regret. And, I, and like, I find that to be mostly true in life, you know, is that, is that you have this idea, this image in your head of what things are supposed to look like. And, um, and it often doesn't really work out quite the way you think it will, but overall, I feel like it still does work out. At least for me, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've gotten to do, fuck, I've gotten to do everything I wanted to do in this life. I, I just feel really lucky that, um, that I, I am where I am and I, I all I want to do is just give back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a part of me that just wants to run away, Eugene. There's a part of me that just wants to fucking move to Bali and, you know, uh smoke weed until I can't see straight and just fucking be left alone. Mm-hmm. And then there's another part of me that feels like, um, I didn't have these experiences uh out of coincidence, you know, and and I it's not an accident and I feel like I I owe. I owe what I've learned, and I, and I owe to give back. My, my service doesn't stop because I'm out of uniform. Right. My service stops when I'm fucking dead.
1: Speaking of dead, you ever know those cats who like, uh, you know, took way too many of a certain drug, way too long, way too hard, pushed it as far as they could humanly go for no discernible reason? I have. It's me. <laughs> Next up on Ozzy Confidential, me on me. Ozzy Confidential is produced by, who else? Nate Eugene S. Robinson and executive produced by Robert Kulos. And this episode was sound designed, edited, and mixed by Jamie Kahn and Nick Johnson. For more Ozzy Confidential, check us out on Ozzy.com. That's O-Z-Y com slash confidential. We publish editorial companion articles on Ozzy and photos, videos for every single store. So to check them out. Go to Ozzy.com slash confidential. That's O-Z-Y com slash confidential. And you can see behind the scenes. You can learn more about the stories we tell and even become an official. OC, where you'll be kept uh, uh, in the know on all things Ozzy Confidential. And if you want to get in touch with us, learn more, or just generally vent, hit us up at uh, confidential at ozzy.com. We'll send over a t-shirt if we dig what you got to say, good, bad, or ugly. Or maybe we'll get too lazy to do any of that. Thanks. This issue, this version, this edition, go out to Natty Bumpo, Tango and Cash, and Little Debbie Spin Wheels. Thanks!